Tan. Motherfucking Tan. Ten in a row now for your Phoenix Suns as they defeat the Dallas Mavericks at home on the first of a back-to-back with a day in between off against those Mavericks. Matthew, that's 10 straight for the Phoenix Suns for the first time since 2010. They end this game on a 9-2 run and win the game. Wasn't that fun basketball to watch? It was great. The 10 win streak. Dude. So is that that's a franchise record? I just Googled it. It says 10 wins, which was today equals the, the longest streak in franchise history. So no nephew hate nephew Hayden was right. Yeah, unless the Jamsters has something else other than Google to look this up. I know the I know the seven seconds for less are less sons actually. I mean, they've won like 20 out of 22 games, something crazy like that, but I don't think they ever won more than 10 in a row. No way. Or nine. Yeah. I know they've won. I know they've won 10 before, but okay. let's see. Uh, I think the Phoenix Suns have won 17 in a row. Really? <laughs> yeah. It says 10. Longest, longest streak wins. Uh, franchise history. Yeah. Interesting. Well, this is something that the the Jamsters can definitely let us know. Oh. Looks like they won 17 in a row in 2007. <laughs> so, yeah. so, okay, we'll never mind. To, we'll have to take a look. And if I remember correctly... That 2007 winning streak for the Phoenix Suns was ultimately thwarted because the Suns had to fly into Denver in December and there was delays so to the point where they literally flew in, got off the bus, went to the arena and lost to the Nuggets and then they won more games after that. That if I remember correctly. So, yeah, uh Ted Lubin in the chat says 17 in a row. We got a lot of people saying 17 in a row. So, All 10, right. Well, <laughs> Forget that. Can we restart the pod? <laughs> Let's start over again. Hold on. Let okay. me just get rid of you real quick. Tan. Motherfucking tan in a row for the Suns. Hey, what a uh, win. But still, you know what? That, that's tan in a row. Uh, it's always sweet to do it against a quality team. You know, we talked about it a little bit on the last pod, how both the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks have played less than stellar competition thus far this season. Uh, the, the Golden State Warriors have, too. And it's funny, uh, I think Flex from Jersey, our buddy Flex tweeted this out. He's like, it's funny how the national media talks about how the Phoenix Suns are on a winning streak, but they constantly reference the fact that it's been against subpar competition. But if you look at who the Warriors have played outside of beating Brooklyn last night on the road, which was a fantastic win for them, outside of that victory, a lot of the teams that they've beaten up on early in the season have been those, those bottom feeders, if you will. National narrative? You know, kind of emoji, mm, uh, question yeah, emoji. That's, that's always something that is always talked about is there's only like eight really good teams, right, in the NBA. Or like the NFL is only like eight really good teams. And anybody that has a winning record, it's always like, oh, they only played these teams and these teams. Everyone sucks. I mean, it's the best in the world right now that we're, they're playing against. You know what I mean? I know they suck compared, not the Mavericks, but other teams that we played have sucked compared to the Mavericks and other teams that we're going to face in the future that will have a better record. But it's just, it's you play the schedule, man. I'm just sick. I hate that. Amen. Talk. Amen. I don't even, I don't care about the competition. It's just get the wins. Exactly. You have to play the team that's, uh, you know, on the other side of the court. And so what if they're good? So what if they're bad? If the NBA has taught us anything over the years, it's even the bad teams can get up and beat you and bite you because these are still yeah. professional athletes who have money on the line, who have pride on the line. Just you think the Houston Rockets go out there and be like, well, we suck. We've won one game. Let's lose another one tonight. Like, no, we're going to go out and try to snap this thing. So again, during this run, they've had the luxury of beating up on some good teams or I'm sorry, some bad teams, but tonight they played a good Dallas team. 
without Luka Doncic. So that'll be, the, you know, I'm not watching ESPN right now. I'm hanging out with the Jamsters here, uh, but I bet you that'll be one of the stories. You know, the Suns, you know, win streak goes to 10. They beat the Mavs without Luka. Okay, yeah, Luka, who has like, I think the seventh worst plus minus in the league this year or net rating in the league this year. But anyways, we'll get to all of this talk. We yes, have plenty to talk will. about. Ten straight for the Phoenix Suns. So if you're deciding to join the Suns Jam Session podcast to celebrate this victory, whether you're watching along live right now or you're watching YouTube later and you're picking this up another time, make sure you hit that thumbs up button down below. We appreciate that. Let's the algorithms do whatever algorithms do. I don't even know what they do. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, review wherever you're at. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us one of those five-star reviews. Make sure you follow me on Twitter. I'm at Darth Voida. It's right here. Mm-hmm. He's at Matthew Lissy. <laughs> right there. Yeah. And the show where is am I? at Suns Jam on Twitter. That's where you can interact with us. You can vote on our polls and you can submit your artwork like at Craig A. Hamill did. And uh, it's just beautiful artwork bef- behind Matthew. You can submit yeah. that as well. So uh, without further ado, we're going to pop open a nice cool beer, right, Matthew? Oh, my God. Don't embarrass me like this, Dude, John. Like we're not even... <laughs> what's. What, what does the us? podcast come to? I don't know. What happened to us, man? I can't even swing by a Circle K and grab a for real though. pack. What is my problem, dude? You live like right next to a Circle K. I don't like Circle K. Walk across the street, motherfucker. No, I can't. <sighs> well, Jamsters, you're gonna have to pop them for us because again, I'm on the road. I'm in a hotel room, Jeez. and uh, and I'm not gonna go just Please buy one beer. Please keep watching, all right. Please yeah. keep watching. I know I promise you a lot, but just wait till Christmas. I'll give you that big present you wanted, Jamsters. Dude, that's like a month away. Well, let's talk about this victory over the Dallas Mavericks. It might not have been the prettiest game. I mean, Chris Paul couldn't hit a shot to save his life tonight. But at the same time, he put forth, what was it, 13 assists is what I, he ended with. Zero turnovers being the key there. 14 assists, my apologies. 14 assists, zero turnovers for Chris Paul. Two for 12 from the field. But ultimately, the Phoenix Suns win 105-98. to 98. Matthew, I got to ask. So, Matthew, I got to ask, as this game was coming down to those clutch minutes and you could see that there was kind of the back and forth, were you asking yourself the same question I was asking myself? How are we in this game? (laughs) Yeah, uh, kind of, but I was actually asking it to myself in the third quarter. Towards the end, I wrote a note, and I was like, the Suns will win this game. They're just the better team. Uh, the stinky Mavs. I put stinky Mavs. They're not gonna be. They couldn't even pull away when they went on their their three run when they were yes. hitting every three. They weren't pulling away, so it was nothing really to worry about. So even in the third quarter, I'm sitting there watching. I'm just like, the Suns are gonna win this. That's just who they are now. It was just like last game, where I'm like doing dishes or something. Yeah, like, oh, they'll win. You know, throw the towel over my shoulder, try try them off and stuff like that. You know, keep busy while they're just killing these teams in the end of the games. I just I'm not worried ever. Is is that just weird? I know there's no Luca. I know it's 
Um, it's not there's no superstars on the court that we have to worry about. But even then, I just I know this team they, they're gonna find someone to take over, or else they're gonna win it as a team, and that's what they do now. They just everyone has their hand in the pot, right? Everyone is just making the shots when they when they matter. And they're getting the rebounds. DeAndre is playing defense. Mikhail's playing defense. They're doing all the right things. So there's nothing really to worry about right now. Well, well, it was it was interesting because you know to your point in that third quarter, Dallas outscored the Suns twenty-seven to twenty-three, and it was kind of the way that they did it. Right? I mean, they went seven for eleven from downtown. That's mm-hmm. twenty-one of those twenty-seven points came via the three-ball. And conversely, the Phoenix Suns went seven for 24 in the quarter. They shot 29.2%. And I was kind of in the same thing, you know, and, and it's great. The Jamsters, you know, they're like, no, no, no. Uh, who, who was it uh, right here? Let me pull it up. Let's check this thing. I love it that there's so many comments, but sometimes things get lost. Uh, Blaze Megatron He's like, nope, I was asking how were the Mavs in this game? And everybody's calling out the defense stepped up. Blocks from McGee. Uh, Booker and eight, eight and led the way because of defense. You know, I mean, that's ultimately what kept this team in the game because for a long stretch of time, they couldn't hit their shots Uh, coming into that third quarter. It was just kind of that perfect storm of, oh, crap, the Suns have gone cold and Mm -hmm. the Dallas Mavericks are doing nothing but hitting three balls. And generally when that happens, like you're out of the game. But again, you look at the way that the Suns navigated that quarter and once you know the, the quarter was over, they were only down what five points entering the fourth quarter. And to your point, that's when you knew you're like, oh, okay, this is this is a Suns win because the Suns <laughs> yeah. are the best team in the clutch in the NBA. And once you got that thing down to five minutes, uh, all of a sudden the Suns did what they were supposed to do to win this game. Yeah, they slow things down. They take their time. Even Booker, I realized. Today, um, I don't know if he's done it before, but the way he's finishing around the rim and clutch situations, like it seems like he takes an extra second to just hover there and release his shot. Like I'm not going to draw a foul, especially in a game like this where the refs aren't calling shit. The refs weren't calling <laughs> anything tonight. It was just, it was. I, I loved it because basically these guys can play their game, and of course, there's a few of them whining because no no foul calls, which was Chris Paul, some mm-hmm. guys on the Mavs. But I love that. And I love it that Booker knew, like, you're not going to get the foul call. Don't throw your body into anybody. Just go up, finish your shot the way it's supposed to be shot. Don't try to draw the foul. He did that. And the team, it, they just knew they weren't going to get any foul calls. And then DeAndre Ayton can do what he wants underneath the hoop. Um, there's a lot that I thought could have been called tonight, especially against oh, yeah. the Mavericks. I kind of felt bad a little bit for them because they were kind of getting clobbered. There was the over the back towards the end of the game. I think it was Mikhail Bridges over. Uh, but I don't think I don't think that was an over the back because he high pointed him. Like he beat him to the high point of the ball, which is impressive considering that's Kristaps Porzingis at seven. But he gets abused all the, all the time, way. though. <laughs> yeah, so the but rest I think. Are like, the rest are probably used to him just getting abused. You know what I mean? So they're not going to call anything against him. But I like the fact that the Suns are a physical team and they're allowed to be played physical or allowed to be to play physical. Because I think that mm-hmm. was one of my frustrations a lot in the playoffs last year. There were certain games in which it felt like one team was being allowed to play physical and the other wasn't. And you saw that a lot in the Clippers series. I thought, I thought a lot of the whistles would come out against the Suns and the Clippers, who had Patrick Beverly and and whatever more, Marcus Morris, whatever Morris twin is there. I mean, those guys are the epitome of trying to play physical. So I think that this team allowed to being, uh, being allowed to play physical aligns with their brand and who they are. 
versus the Mavericks, who aren't. They're more of a finesse team. They're used to having Luka Doncic, who is somebody who definitely gets to the line a lot by his slow-mo kind of putting guys in awkward situations. Uh, that's the most physical player they have. Um, you do have Jalen Brunson, uh, a fellow uh, member of Villanova, part of that, those cha national championship teams with Mikael Bridges. He plays physical as well. But I think it benefits the Suns, obviously, that their physicality, it's it's consistent, so it's hard for those referees to kind of make those calls against them because they're always coming at you. They're, they're a bunch of junkyard dogs. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to Bill Simmons today. Chris Vernon was on there. I'm not sure if you got to catch that one. Not yet. Would, I'll get that on the plane oh, ride home. Well, he just I made, love Chris okay. Vernon, too. Oh, me too, man. The guy knows basketball. He yes. uh, was talking about um, basically defense, the big man, and how they were basically just turn him into stone when the new NBA came around where everything was a foul. Mm -hmm. Now you're looking at teams to where you need the defensive players, right? We have Aiden. We have Mikhail Bridges. We, we have Chris Paul. Chris, exactly. Chris Paul, Devin Booker is getting a little better. Everyone coming off our bench plays with Jay high Crowder. energy. I mean, our whole yeah, starting they, five is a defensive starting it, five. Yeah, so we have a perfect squad right now for the way the yes. NBA is, what the, what the, what it's turning into. So we have them, and then we have the offense too coming. Oh, what is that? Huh? This, is a pillow, that this is a pillow that says pow in my hotel at? room. Where pow. Are you at? I'm staying at in a loft, which is a Marriott Hotel, the loft uh, right next to the Reno International Airport. Okay. Wow. It's like a is it like a Disney kind of theme or what's no, going on? No, it's like it when you walk in it's kind of like a loft. Like okay. it's called a loft but like you walk in it's kind of a loft feel like you walk in there's the bathroom and then I think we like want a, a tour. We want a, a tour, right? Jans? <laughs> no, you you'll see like my my wrapper, my Snickers wrappers and my bottle of water. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, you know, like my t my TV that I watched yeah. the game on today. You know, so I mean, yeah, it's really fun Six. stuff here at the. Right. I'm Angles sorry, you were. There, you, I'm sorry, you had like a really good point going. I was no, just like the only point was I was making is Chris Chris Vernon was making a point that you know he was explaining what the what the Suns have without actually saying it's the Suns. Mm -hmm. He was just saying the, the teams that you want to you want to be right now, the team, the the players you want on your team are defensive specialists, guys that can be physical. That's what the Suns. It's crazy how mm -hmm. it the switch flipped like that from last season to this season. It's, it's like how fantastic. the Suns got better, the death got better, and then now we're talking about rule changes that are helping the Suns. So right now, everything's pointed up for the Suns. And so I did the bright side of the Sun game coverage tonight. So I, I wrote about the game. I'm trying to get my camera perfect here. So there you go. I wrote about the game. I did the game preview. And one thing I noted in the preview, especially with Luka Doncic not being present in this game, was the area of opportunity for the Phoenix Suns compared to the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks are a perimeter team. Checkmark. That's what they did tonight. Okay, uh, they're a team that shoots the sixth most three pointers in the league, uh, and they make the eleventh most. So uh, you look at tonight. You know they shot thirty-two times from downtown. Now the Suns outshot them from downtown tonight relative to total number of attempts. They shot thirty-nine, uh, but it wasn't really until that fourth quarter where they actually started making those shots. Uh, and the other thing that I noticed is the fact that, um, and, and it, by the way, Suns five for eight from downtown in the fourth quarter. 14 for 20 from the field, 70%. And the the Mavericks were no slouch in the fourth quarter, too. They were 10 of 19. They went for 52.6%. This game had a very similar feel to our last game, where for the first three quarters, it was just kind of uh, got a lot of guys missing shots, little micro ones, but a lot of back and forth. And all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, boom, you know, the Suns went for 37 in the fourth here. Uh, but the other area of opportunity for the Suns in this game, when you look at the lineups comparatively, knowing that 
the uh, the Dallas Mavericks were going to be out uh, without Matty Kleber was the interior. Okay, yeah, they have Dwight Powell. Yeah, they have Kristaps Porzingis, who isn't an interior. You know, he can block some shots due to his size, but he isn't really what you would consider a, an interior presence, if you will. Uh, and Willie Cauley-Stein, are is, that's kind of like the trio that they could throw at you underneath the hoop. Um, they also have Boban, but they almost never play him. But that was the area of opportunity for the Suns. And what was interesting about this game is, for the most part, they were shooting a lot of jumpers. They took a shit ton of threes. And then in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, they stopped shooting the three ball as much. Now, granted, they they did shoot eight times and they made five of them, but they started feeding Aiton in those last few minutes. They started going, okay, we own the interior, so let's go ahead and feed the big man. Watch. Tell me what you think of DeAndre Ayton tonight. One, his fresh new haircut. Yes. I don't know if I noticed yeah. that the last game. Uh, but 19 and 13 from the field, 9 of 13 from, uh, or, or I'm sorry, 19 points, 13 rebounds, 9 of 13 from the field in this game. Matthew, tell me what you saw from big old DA. Well, first, I love the look. He looks um, pretty grown up with that hair. I just, I think it fits him. I think maybe the beard needs to be trimmed, but I, I liked it. It wasn't kind of like, We've, we've seen like kind of like the mini throw on him. And I, I was hoping like he wouldn't look like Josh Jackson did when Josh Jackson had, had to shave his fro and then he kind of had like a flathead thing. But Aiden looked good, man. Aiden looked really good. Um, like I mentioned before, the refs let him play. So anything he was trying to do inside, it was there for him. And what I loved was Chris Paul. And it what they kind of it died out in the third quarter. But Chris Paul and Devin Booker, well, mainly Chris Paul, was just lobbing the ball up to him. You know what I mean? Those are things in the past and even the beginning of this year they struggled to do. And that's what, as fans, we've always wanted just to lob them the ball. I know we talked a lot about this year how they've been working on ways to, to guide him the ball. He's opening up different paths for them, all of that. But now today, especially with the mismatches, they were just lobbing it to him. So I love to see that. I love to see any opportunity you have to give him the ball, especially in this game when there's nothing inside, like this is the easiest game for Aiden to play defensively against Porzingis. Powell did okay against him, but then once he got good positioning, he could throw up any kind of shot he wanted to, whether or not it went in. Eh, I mean, he makes pretty much everything because he has that soft touch. But after a while, as the game progressed, they kind of went away from him in the third. and the fourth, they came back to him because everyone started getting their own shots. Everyone started getting to their mid-range and hitting their threes. And then it opened up a lot for Aiden down low. So it was a perfect game. And his hustle and everything, it just seems to be there. Even like on the fast break, he followed it up with the tip-in layup. So when you see that, you just know for sure like he is... He, mentally he's just he's really into it right now i think uh i know we always question kind of with the comments from sarver and stuff that hurt him and all that but he seems really really focused right now on the court and it's just it's a good look in Aiden, especially tonight yeah i think it's you know it, it's a good point that he's engaged and that's obviously the question that some people were questioning uh during his hiatus you know while he was nursing the the knee contusion is mm-hmm. well is he really have a knee contusion is he just kind of yeah. taking a few extra yeah. days how does he feel about the sarver comments what does he feel about the extension and he puts all that to rest with two consecutive games in which he presents himself as an engaged individual and a member of this team uh and that's obviously exactly what you want to see the the haircut does look clean i like it 
Good. It's funny because they were showing. I, I'm sure you watched the the Valley Sports Arizona feed, correct? Turn off your uh, goddamn no, notifications. Actually, I was watching ESPN. <laughs> Sorry, dude. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's just popular over here. It's called mute at night. Um, yeah, it's nine thirty here in the Pacific time zone. So I was watching ESPN as well, and they had like that one shot where they were talking about how Devin Booker uh, has his starting five foundation, and they're showing Devin Booker helping, you know, like like just doing what he does in the community. But they were showing a lot of old stock footage, like Devin Booker with his old haircut with like the line on the side. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like Devin Booker looks, yeah, his little goatee and like the line on the side. I'm like Devin Booker looks so much more adult and clean now. And that's how I felt like looking at DA and kind of his new do. It's like he just has this, you know what? I don't need to have all this hair and do all this stuff. He's like, I'm just going to kind of fade it down and I'm strictly business, <laughs> yes. baby. Because once Devin Booker kind of got rid of that line in the hair, all of a sudden he would just like he went into Armani mode, as our buddy Espo likes to call it. And he's yeah. been like that that way for the past couple seasons. And now DA has it. So, I mean, it, it, it's great because in the, in, in the jamsters in the chat are talking about, uh, you know, his – What's Scott Lacey? Oh, yeah. What's Carlos, Scott Lacey oh, say? I'm sorry, man. Go well, I'll go. For, I'll do this. Then you, you do go Carlos. first. All Between right. Cam's new cut, DA's new trim, Crowder's chop, the guys are really getting ready for the national TV games and those dubs. <laughs> That's a great point, yes, Scott. Exactly. You got to look good. I'm sure they talk about that. Like, hey, we're on ESPN. Um, but yeah, just really Keep quick. Clean Carlos, tonight. <laughs> Carlos Burryman, uh, man crush. Yeah, of course. <laughs> How could you not with these dudes? But the thing is with Devin Booker, he's had to like grow that out because he's such a young looking dude. He is. You know what I mean? He's got that he, baby face. He does. And I think that's just something that it's not a struggle. Like women love it, I'm sure, of course. But just for to be the guy in the NBA, to be one of those faces, I think you got to grow the beard out. You got to have the hair looking good and all that. So that's what he's trying to do. That's what I think. All right. It's just a random yeah. thought. Yeah. Random thoughts. Bye, Matthew. Uh, continuing the eight and watch theme, you know, 11 minutes, 41 seconds played in the fourth quarter for DA tonight. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. He went four for four from the field in the fourth. Uh, he had eight points and had two rebounds and that's what really kind of, you know, it was his performance on the defensive end in those last five minutes that were really impressive because it wasn't, it wasn't earth shattering. It's not like he was just swatting balls, uh, Akeem Olajuwon style. But he was doing a lot of shot deterrence. And when Jalen Brunson and Tim Hardaway Jr. were going down there and they're trying to get some of those layups to go, that shot deterrence was just enough to get those balls to fall off the rim. And it allowed his teammates to pick up the rebounds. You know, Cameron Johnson got a couple rebounds. Mikhail Bridges got a couple rebounds. And he did as well. And that's what was key. The defense tightened like a boa constrictor in those last five minutes and squeezed the life out of the Dallas Mavericks. To the point, and, and you heard it on the national broadcast, they were talking a lot about how, you know, well, Luke is not here. What are they going to do? And that's the difference between the Dallas Mavericks, who are the third best team in the Western Conference right now, okay, and the Phoenix Suns. Is the Phoenix Suns, as we've mentioned before, can kill you in so many different ways. We're not one-dimensional in the last five minutes. That's something that the Phoenix Suns of old used to be, is if we could get to clutch time, if the Suns could somehow, some way, fight back and get into clutch time, they would ultimately lose because they were so one-dimensional. You could sit there on a chalkboard and draw up exactly what play they were going to do because you knew it, if uh, Alfred Payton or Isaiah Cannon or Mike James would bring the ball up the court, eventually with 16 seconds left on the shot clock, it would go to D-Book, and it was going to be all on his shoulders. You saw again tonight how how versatile this team is in that last five minutes. It's Chris Paul finally hitting a shot. It's Chris Paul setting up DeAndre Aiden. It's Devin Booker 
going off, you know, hitting an amazing three, one of those perfect highlight threes where it's like, he's covered. There's nowhere to go. Three, two, oh, you know, it's just, it's all those different components that allow this team to be successful. And that's why they're on a 10 game win streak. They're not winning the same way every night. They're doing different things every night. Different guys are stepping up each night. You know, Jay Crowder, the guy that we talked about on the last pod who didn't hit shit was absolutely huge tonight, man. Yeah, he was. And then just really quick to go back to the way the games kind of started. It's like, what are you going to do as the Suns? Like you, you have so much film and you're watching Luke all the time. And all of a sudden he's not going to play. So I think the way the Suns are in these kind of situations, they can just be like, we'll figure it out as the game goes. You know, there's so many wide open shots that they missed. Uh, eventually they're like, hey, they're going to go in no matter what. Um, but I just remember the Suns always being the situation where they played a good team. And it's like, oh, the team can't make anything, right? And then the mm-hmm. Suns would go on a nice little streak, but it wasn't good enough. And then, then the other team would just come back and hit like the the clutch shots. Like, oh, that's yeah. what the Suns are doing right now. Like they just figure it now. I think as time goes on during the game, when you have a guy like Luca missing, you can't really game plan. I don't feel like for it, right. You could do the matchups and all that, like Jay Crowder playing Porzingis, which he just manhandled him. Yes, and like he. Jay was really good defensively. Of course, offensively, he got it back after the 0-4 game last week, our last game, which I love those games. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but his but the shot You're turns to be brought up by Aiden. It, I noticed it when Jay, it was towards the end. I think it was like one of the last baskets the Mavericks made. And it was basically just an easier lay-in. But Jay didn't know what to do down there low down low. And of course, he's not as big as Aiden and he's not as good defensively down there. But you just realize how good Aiden is when Jay kind of messes that up and goes the wrong way. And then the guy gets like an easy layup. You're like, oh, Aiden would have just easily deterred that. It would have been a bad shot or a block or else the guy would have had to pass it out, maybe a turnover. So, but yeah, Jay tonight, I mean, he was great, man. I mean, what did you think? I mean, I think that obviously he had some big shots in towards the end of the game, but he seemed like it being a group towards in the whole game, right? Yeah. I mean, you look at his stat line tonight, four of nine from deep. And again, after he was just kind of the the Ofer dude uh, in the last game, and as you mentioned, defensively he was on point. Kristaps uh, Porzingis isn't a physical player, and he's very. I mean, when you're seven foot three, and people called you the unicorn, probably because they thought you were a unicorn, but in reality, you're built like a unicorn. You just mm-hmm. you, you you use the low part of your body. AKA the boss man's ass. And you just yeah. keep pushing that thing right to the guy's thigh the whole, the whole game long. And you're taking him off his center of gravity. You're pushing him off of his spots and it, it annoys him and it takes him out of his game. He's not getting the ball where he wants. And don't get me wrong. Like Kristaps Porzingis was probably their brightest star tonight. You know, he ended with 21 points on seven of 20 shootings, two for seven from deep five for five from the, uh, the free throw line, seven assists and eight rebounds. But at the same time, like you could tell he wasn't comfortable because of what the Suns could do to him defensively. And that started with Jay Crowder. Uh, it ended with DeAndre Ayton at the rim. And I thought that, you know, again, Jay Crowder, 28 minutes tonight, 14 points in those minutes, two steals. And if you look at his fourth quarter as well, you know, he had five points in the fourth, uh, one for two from three. And I I just, you know, he's he's that guy on the team who we all love. Uh it's weird that Jay Crowder doesn't get more love. I feel I feel like with this team, there's just so much to love. I mean, you have Devin Booker, you know, who's like the the heart and soul of Phoenix. He's been with this franchise through all the bullshit. You have Chris Paul, who is the point god, the guy you've hated for years, and now you love him because he's yours. And he's only been on the team for one year and one day now, which <laughs> is crazy, by the way. I know. 
it feels like the longest year ever. It feels like three years. It, it feels exactly like three years. I saw but, that yesterday. I was like, holy shit, what are you laughing at? <laughs> well, the, the you mentioned Jay Crowder, <laughs> the boss man's ass. And yeah. like when you, when you said it, I just went along like, um, yeah, like we know him as that. You know what I mean? So I just, that's a lot of love right there. We just, you know, we all know him as the boss man's ass, I guess, all of a sudden, know where that came from. <laughs> but that's what he used. He used the boss man's ass yes. to push Porzingis off his spots, you know? He, and going back ass. to the love that this team has or that the fan base has. You know, we all have our little favorites. You know, you're really big on Cam Johnson. I love Mikhail Bridges. Okay, there's obviously DeAndre Ayton, who is the ultimate love-hate relationship. Blaze Megatron just became a member. Uh, if what? you want, if I always thought Blaze was a member, I thought you were already a member. Wow, well, thanks, Blaze. We appreciate yeah, well, that. Thank you. And this reminder to anybody who's watching along live, you hit that little join button, uh, you can do the same, uh, get some exclusive. Bad, get some exclusive content. Well, we appreciate that, Blaze. You're always here in the mm-hmm. chat, so I just I just assume. So he's a sorry guy's new bank card. So maybe he was, I don't know. But anyways, there's so much love for this team and the different characters that are on this team and the different roles that they, they fill, you know, Landry Shamit going on down the line. Um, but at the same, but at the same time, you know, boss man is somebody who definitely has a following. And as, as he goes, he, he peaks, and then he comes down and he has a good game and he has a bad game. But at the end of the day, he, like you need to have him on your team. You need that type of player on your team to be successful. Yes. Grow up. I, I'm like in one of those things where I can't talk or else I'm going to start laughing. So, <laughs> All right. Well, what do you want to talk about next? Let's take a look at uh, uh, Landry Shamit had a really solid game in this one. He ended with 11 points uh, in the game. The majority of those came in the first half. In fact, uh, of his 11 points, I'm trying to look it up real quick. Uh, he had all of them in the first half. So he did. He did. But, yeah. But but four for six from the field, three for five from deep. And in the first quarter, uh, outside of Devin Booker, who went five for eight and had 11 points in the first quarter, it was Landry Shamit who was helping the Suns stay afloat and score because it wasn't the most solid beginning of a game. Normally, you know, Devin Booker, who currently, you know, since the Suns started this 10-game stretch, okay, the uh, Devin Booker is averaging 7.9 points, I believe it is, coming into this game in the first quarter, which is the fourth most in the NBA in the first quarter. So he's really starting to find himself in that role of, hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to set the tone for this game. I'm the one who's going to put the points on the board initially. It's up to the rest of the team to kind of backfill that, but I'm going to do what I can to get myself going cuz I know that that's going to be the best thing for this team. And it was Landry Shamit who was another one of those guys who was like, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to be right along there with you." The three ball was looking nice. It was looking crisp. He had that nice release. Uh there were a couple shots in the game which I feel like he maybe a, he leans too much. The, the funny thing about Landry Shamit is you know he's off when he's kind of leaning, I feel. Uh, and then he had a, that huge block, and that's two games in a row, man, where Landry Sham is dropping some savage blocks, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, just the reason he played so well, it was funny because when you're watching the game on ESPN, the broadcast is like, what a, what a signing, what a re-sign by the Suns, getting this guy. You know, and as Suns fans, we kind of struggled with him so far this year. We just don't know what to expect from him, which is the best game of the year, right, by him, <laughs> for sure, even though it was only like a first half. But his shot... It's like a whenever you know it's going to go in, like the first couple, my oh, those going in. It's because it's like a boomerang kind of release, like where his body is just flexes in a way. Yes. So where it looks very, very comfortable to him. Of course, for us, we would be in the hospital for a couple of days, maybe 10 days, because this body just contorts in such a weird way when he does a release. But it looked good and it went in and it 
to talk about you know just the right time right for this guy playing on espn and being like hey this is this is what i'm worth this is the money that i'm worth this is why i got resigned here in phoenix um it just it's funny it kind of worked out that way because we struggled i think this year with him so well, far but this is what we need funny. these little instances just to, like you said carry the team for like what's, a couple minutes here or there what, what's funny and that's the exact role we need him to fill we need points in moments where other guys can't hit the shot and you know yeah. we do have a bunch of guys who play fantastic defense we went through our starting five we are definitely a defensive based team but we do have some really solid offensive contributors coming in off of the bench um, but what's interesting is we, you know, you said like we've struggled with Landry Shamit kind of due to his inconsistency this year. What's great is this guy shoot like 40% from three and we're struggling with it, you know, like, yeah. you know, yeah, it's is like, so, really? so okay. yes, Jamsters, we will give him the drop. All I can say is sham. Wow. He gets a sham. Well, for that first half. Uh, the second half, he didn't play as well, uh, nor did he necessarily even get the minutes in the second half. You know, he ended with uh, eight minutes and 52 seconds, but he went 0 for 2 from the field. He was play- What was interesting that the Suns did at the end of the third quarter is they had a lineup that was Chris Paul, Cameron Payne, Landry Shamit, Cameron Johnson, and JaVale McGee. And it's interesting because I- I've brought this up before, uh, in a couple articles that I've written for Bright Side of the Sun, how I've really been a fan of the signing of Landry Shamit, and, and I wrote these preseason, uh, because he's finally going to have the opportunity to play his true role. And his true role is a backup two guard who plays like J.J. Redick. And and you look at his career when he was in Brooklyn and when he was in uh, with the Clippers, he played a lot of small ball three coming off of uh, the bench. And this that was an interesting lineup tonight because, one, he was playing that small ball three, which I thought was an interesting strategy for the Suns at that time uh, because I believe Porzingis was still on the court and he was still kind of playing the, the four slash five. But it's also because they had Landry Shamit initiating the offense. So you have campaign, you have Chris Paul, and Landry Shamit was the one bringing the ball up. So it was a new wrinkle that the Phoenix Suns are starting to implement to put, you know, and again, th- those were some empty possessions. They didn't end that uh, f- that third quarter extremely strong. Uh, I think it was a seven to five run for the uh, uh, the Mavericks to end that quarter. Um, but still, did you notice that? And do you think that that's something that the Suns could start to build off of as the season progresses? You know, I hope so. I think the Suns do a lot of stuff on the court where you see it, even with Mikhail, like the pick and roll stuff we saw in the beginning of the year. Now it's just not even there. So if this is something that's going to take the offense in a positive way, then yes, of course. But it also, again, I think I mentioned this before, where Chris Paul just trusts these guys a lot more, right? He's taking a lot of the load off of him. He still wants to be on the court, but then these guys can do what they need to do to bring the ball down to the court where they're more of a fast-paced offense. But even it's just setting up the half court and you have Shamit doing that, maybe that's just the confidence he needs. Like, hey, we're not – the J.J. Redick role, that's fine, the, the knockdown shooter. Coming but off if, of like seven screens. Yeah, but if he thinks he can do more and bring more to this team and the team listens to him and he brings it out on the court and does it in live games, then that shows him we have a lot of confidence. Then you see it in his shot, you see it in everything else. Like someone brought up that block. Of course, the block where he messes up. Chris Paul was all over his ass because I think he messed up like 10 times on one possession, turned the ball over, and then went down there and got the block. So that's mm-hmm. a guy you can really count on and trust. And if you want to make sure that he does well in the offense – 
listen to him. Like, just listen to maybe things he might need, and maybe he wants more ball control a little bit. It's not too much. It's not too much. You barely even notice it really today. But if they keep it, it's something that I think can be positive for this offense. So, yeah, I was a big fan of it. Yeah, and again, it creates engagement. Now he's a little bit more engaged in this offense, and that will translate. I guarantee you, allowing Landry Shamit to bring the ball up a few times at some possessions at the end of the third quarter in a lineup where you have Chris Paul and Cameron Payne on the court is going is going to increase uh, the Suns' ability to generate offensive sets out of that. That could free up Shamit, could free up somebody else. But to your point, it allows them to handle. It's like a wide receiver in football. You know, your, your slot receiver might not always get the ball in a specified offense, but if you throw him a couple balls every now and then, it's going to keep him engaged and he's going to keep running those routes as hard as he can all the time because he knows that, you know, eventually his time's going to come. So I, I thought that was an interesting wrinkle that they threw in there. Uh, Blaze does say he watches this show for the drops, boys, so don't disappoint. So we'll throw another drop at you. Lights, Cameron, action. And again, thank you to Scott Lacey, one of our loyal jamsters who created that drop for us. That's uh, the Cameron Johnson drop. Uh, I just got to tell you, Matthew, your boy, he came through tonight, looked really good. You know, I, I figured that this would be a good matchup for him because when you take a look at kind of uh, the the bench for the uh, the Dallas Mavericks, there was really no one I feel who could truly body up Cameron Johnson and play him when he's on the court with the physicality that he could bring. And you look at the fourth quarter for Cam, okay, eight minutes played. He went two for three from the field, including two of two from downtown and a couple rebounds in there. And those were huge threes. Those were to open the quarter. It was like Cam Johnson, Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridge, Bridges, three, three, three. And all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, we can hit three pointers. <laughs> um, Yeah, the thing is with Cam, and I was talking with a friend at work about you know, the, the word tweener, you know, you hear it a lot in the NBA, these guys that are kind of in between like, uh, like Cam Johnson might be that guy where he's in between a three and a four. So he, he can be a, a difficult task as long as he's used right by the Suns for the defense. Um, the thing is, you, they even mentioned on ESPN where they mentioned his name and how he struggled. So I don't think that was some stats guy running down there to be like, hey, Cam Johnson's kind of sucked this year. Here, mention that. I think they actually do notice this guy, and of course, in the playoffs and the finals, where he didn't make a little bit of noise. So to mention that he's kind of struggled and now he had a better second half in this game, he kind of helped the Suns with his two big threes, like you said, that just shows that there's something more to this guy and the hustle's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. But the the thing is, I just noticed he's just in between and he can play bigger too, but he's just like, he's kind of positionless right now. Like I know I wanted him as starting four, but I just think he can do pretty much whatever you want for him, you know, from three to five, maybe. So I know that's kind of weird saying a five, but maybe later down the line, he's a bigger dude, like do the small lineup and he can maybe play the five. That really is a good point. Uh, Blaze says in the chat, he says Cam is a 3.5, which is really a good observation. I, it's something I don't think I've ever really thought about is how I just thought about it right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, look at you, yeah. you know, uh, off the cuff that, that wasn't Jeez. in your notes. Uh, but it is, a you know, you need to write an article on a uh, bright side of the sun about that. 3.5 Cam. Yeah. Yeah. 3.5 Cam. Cause that's kind of who he is. He's, he's a little too big to be a three, um, but he possesses the quickness necessary. You know, he possesses the athleticism, uh, but he's a little too small to be a four, uh, although he does possess the physicality to be a four. So he kind of can find himself in the middle. And, you know, again, the, the place where Cameron Johnson's most comfortable 
is just taking wide open three point shots. Again, the challenge is he just hasn't been hitting those shots thus far this mm-hmm. season. What's he shooting thus far this season? Any idea? Uh, let me check. I actually have him not up at all, so never mind. Oh, well, that's good. Well, I've got the internet, so I can search <laughs> things real quick. Like uh, Cameron Johnson thus far this season is shooting, shooting 32.2% from downtown. Okay. So he definitely has room for improvement. It's worse than you, I thought. Well, if you look at it compared to uh, how everybody else on the team is, he's eighth on the team. Abdul Nader shooting better than him from three. And this is my real quick. Uh, come on, yeah. stop giving Abdul Nader minutes. Uh, <laughs> just um, get in there really quick. It's just, over, right? I, that, just, is it already all, over? Yep, it's done. You don't even know what happened. Ah, but it, once okay. a podcast, I've just got to say that. Uh, but you're right about Cam. You know, he's kind of in between. And again, he's somebody who I'm definitely keeping my eye on because games like tonight where he, he has the confidence in the fourth quarter to take those big shots. Because at that point, the Suns were still down five. And then he comes out and he hits a three. And then, you know, again, for the first seven minutes of the fourth quarter, it was a really back and forth affair. Uh, and as we mentioned at the top of the pod, I don't think at any point I was afraid that this team would lose. I was like, this is a fun, exciting game. Like, I like games like this where all of a sudden offenses show up in the fourth. Mm-hmm. And part of that's because defenses get tired. But then you, you like you knew it's almost like you were watching a boxing match tonight. You know, and in the first few rounds, the Suns were kind of taking some jabs. And like you said, feeling out the competition. We don't know who the Dallas Mavericks are without Luka Doncic. So you can game plan one thing, but you you don't know exactly what Jason Kidd and all of his almighty wisdom is going to throw at you. So you're taking a couple jabs, and then you're stepping back, and they're throwing a couple punches at you, and you're blocking. And, and then in the, that fourth quarter, they're just like, okay, we got you right where we want you. Okay, we're down one. And then just boom, boom, boom. And they just started throwing the body shots, and then they got that knockout blow on that Devin Booker three. Mm-hmm. And just really quick on Cam Johnson. So his little play he had, the pick and roll with DeAndre and the nice little wraparound pass, do that more. Do him and Cam or him and Mikael Bridges need to do more of that. They went away from Mikael Bridges doing anything on offense to where he's handling the ball at the top of the key. I mm-hmm. want to see more of that. I want to see these guys doing a lot more of that than just standing there shooting threes. And again, that's what makes this offense productive outside of that last five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you are in those situations where it might be Cam Johnson's out there or Mikhail Bridges out there with campaign, you know, getting some of these guys to initiate the offense, much akin to how we were talking about with Landry Shamit, getting these guys to initiate the offense is going to throw wrinkles at the opposition that they're not necessarily prepared for. You know, I mean, these teams, obviously they have their advanced scouts. They have their coaches who, you know, they do their pregame plans like, hey, you know, these are the seven go-to plays that this team is going to run. But when they start running those actions out with different players, because that's another strength of the Suns. You know, you talk about how there's so many things that are aligning for the Suns when it comes to how the NBA is now being refereed and how we have kind of the ideal roster for that. The same thing goes with the wing depth with and, and with the flexibility and ball handling skills of this team. You have a lot of guys who can handle the ball. You don't have elite ball handlers like, you know, Chris Paul who's doing, you know, he's nutmegging himself and nutmegging the opposition, you know, but you have a lot of guys who can handle the ball, who can drive and pop, and you want to see a little bit more of that. Like, Mikhail has kind of gone away from the drive and pop or the drive and try and finish. I feel like he was, uh, you know, he was getting bullied tonight. He, the, you know, some of those calls that uh, Phoenix wasn't or the Dallas Mavericks weren't getting when the Phoenix Suns were defending them, it was going the other way too. Like Mikhail was getting clobbered and they weren't calling it, which is fine. I mean, that's I love physical basketball. So, uh, but I see what you're saying. Like get get those guys more engaged by having them start some of those offensive sets. Mm-hmm. Correct. 
Yeah, correct. Uh, we gotta get better. We have to have better chemistry than that. Um, Jeez, just really man. quick too. Mikhail was yelling too, right? Even at yeah. the rest, I never heard him yell. He was he on was the floor yelling. I've never heard his voice on the floor. So he, yeah, he he was absolutely getting pissed off tonight. The Suns Jam Session podcast is brought to you by Just Sports. Enter the code Suns Jam at checkout for any of your online orders and receive fifteen percent off of your purchase. That's right. Let them know that the Suns Jam Session guy sent you. Again, that is promo code SUNSJAM when checking out at shopjustsports.com. Who doesn't love a good drop? All right, here's another drop for you. You know you can bet on it, bet on it, bet on it, bet on it. All right, Jamsters, you know what bet on it is. Essentially what we do is on game day, we go on Twitter, at SunsJam. So if you don't follow us there, go ahead and you know give us one of those little follows. And we put a bet out there, Okay. We say, hey, what what should we look at tonight? And tonight it was over under Cam Johnson total points. The line was uh, 8.5. The Jamsters came in at exactly 50-50 on this one. Was so it 10 Matt, votes? It, no, it was 14. <laughs> 14 votes. Yeah, I forgot to retweet it from the Bright Side account. Um, so that being said... Cameron Johnson ended with six. So I'm just going to call this one a push. If that's yeah, let's okay do with it. You, yeah, no, that's fine, with, that's, that's fine with me and everybody else, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, last thing I wanted to say before we get into the jam star of the game, uh, for those of you who are listening or watching, make sure you go to brightsideofthesun.com. Uh, Dave King does a great job. He's doing bright side night, which is going to be February 16th. I believe it is uh, against the Houston Rockets. If you donate $11 that will buy a ticket for somebody to go to a Phoenix Suns game and that somebody is going to be a first responder, somebody who's been on the front line of the pandemic for the past you know year and a half, two years, 17 years. I don't even fucking know. I mean, Chris Paul being on this team feels like three years. So the pandemic must be seven years <laughs> long now. Uh, but if you go there and you just, just throw down $11, that's a trip to Starbucks. As Dave likes to say, go there, uh, send some first responders to that game. They get to go see, uh, the Houston Rockets. So I wonder why Dave couldn't get them tickets against the Lakers, but maybe next year. So now it is time. Jam star of the game. Is that a shot, John? What do you mean, Dave? Obviously, it's a joke. It, it makes it makes sense. The Suns aren't going to allow him to do it because he works with the Phoenix Suns on it. The Suns aren't going to be like, yeah, let's just give away as many tickets as we can to the Lakers game. Like, dude, the Rockets are coming to town. Yeah, do no, it. That's the game. You know, that's but that, that's the game. That's the game. All right, Jamsters, if you're watching along live, please please let us know in the chat who your Jam Star of the game is. Uh, Matthew, I think I let you go first last time. And I'll go first this time. I did mention him a, a little bit. Um, I'm going to give this one to Devin Booker. I really want to give this one to DeAndre Ayton. Uh, Chris Paul, if he had had any semblance of an offense, because he orchestrated a 14 assist and zero turnover kind of night, I'd like <laughs> to give it to him as well. But I really feel like, especially in the middle part of this game, the beginning of the game, the middle part of this game, uh, and shit, the end of the game too, Devin Booker just hit some really clutch shots. You know, this was one of those, like I said, it was a back and forth game. You know, I'm jabbing you, you're jabbing me kind of thing. And Devin Booker was the one throwing those jabs. You know, he was the one who uh, would go and hit those patented Devin Booker 
mid-range fallaway shots. He's the one who uh, went two for four from downtown, including the dagger at the end of the game, ended with 24 points, ended with nine rebounds, 24 and nine rebounds. He continues to put forth the effort on the glass uh, to assist his team. Now, granted, all of them were defensive rebounds, but it's showing you that, you know, it's funny because one of the things that I hate that Devin Booker does is when he cheats on defense, when he, his guy's on the weak side and he's standing on the three-point line, Devin Booker bleeds down and tries to get a free rebound. Uh, but you know what? They didn't find Devin Booker tonight and swing the ball around, let that guy have a wide-open three. Uh, but 24-9 and nine from him, you know, I think he had, what, 21 shots, something like that. Yeah, 11 for 21, so not the most efficient night, but still uh, my jam star of the game. Matthew, who do you have? Um, I'm going to give it to Aiden, but I want to hit on something with Booker. I was watching today on a replay where he's just at the mid range and he's getting through his moves. He's focusing on his footsteps. And I just like realized, and this is probably stupid, but I don't think it really matters who is guarding him on those kind of on, on those moves, getting to his spot. Because when you look at him, he's just so focused on his feet, uh, where he's getting to on the court, um, you know, focusing on where the ball is, of course, in his, in his hand. And then he just will go up and release it atop of anybody. So I just, I noticed that I wanted to point that out, but I'm gonna give it to Deandre Ayton. I just, I like that. He of course was kind of just ignoring the third, but played a whole fourth quarter. Yes. Um, but it's, it's nice of him not to get frustrated. They pointed out the broadcast too, to where Booker and, um, Chris Paul were just having a hard time knocking down any shots, but they kept shooting. Mm-hmm. And then Deandre Ayton's down there a couple of times that, he's wide open. So it's like, of course, lob it up. You've been doing it all game, but then they didn't. And Booker and Chris Paul kept trying to shoot. And that can be kind of frustrating for Aiden, but Aiden, you know, he was chill. And I think that's just the way he is. I think they, they talked about like any other big man. That's a star in this league would be frustrated, but that's yes. just not Aiden. And that's just so nice to have that. Cause it doesn't ruin a, uh, a team that's already, that already loves to be together on the court uh, in practice. They talk about it all the time. And that's, that's the stuff they have. That's what they have. That's the chemistry they have. And it's just the type of players they are where they're just so unselfish where it doesn't matter. And I'm sure there's going to be times where there's going to be a little bit of tension, but these kind of games where you just have to get this win because Luca's not there and you're not getting the touches that you probably wanted towards the end and you just continue to, to play and box out, get the get the rebounds that matter in the end of the game. It just It's a lot for Aiden I, to handle. And for, he handles the pressure very, very well. No, and I thought that was uh, an interesting observation from a national pundit. They're like, look at DA. He should be pissed right now because he's not getting the ball. But you know what? That's just not him. Because you know, you could see it when Kristaps Porzingis doesn't get the ball in a possession. He's one of the worst guys at getting back that I see uh, that I've seen in the league. Does he get back? I never exactly bingo. <laughs> I bingo. Don't notice. Like he'll miss a shot, or he'll there'll be a possession where they froze him out, or he didn't get didn't, not even freeze him out, but just he didn't yeah. have a touch, and then he just kind of. He, 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 it's almost like he does like an eye roll into a slight jog back. That's one thing that I've noticed. Uh, John Carl says in the chat, he goes, Book gets it for that amazing shot. What an amazing shot that was by Devin Booker, where he did a spin. He went, when did he spin? He spin to the left, went up. And when he went up, there was Chris Tops Porzingis, all seven, three of them. So then he came back down and went around him and laid it up. It was kind of like the Michael yes, Jordan yeah. 1991 NBA final shot, except Kristaps Porzingis was standing in fucking front of you. It was that was art. That yeah, was I thought of Jordan. Place. I thought of Jordan too. As Instantly. soon as he made that, I thought of Jordan. And I didn't even grow up watching Jordan. I just thought Jordan. And that, I don't know if that's that's a good thing, right? <laughs> that dude, that play, yeah. that Jordan play was one of my all like I used to practice that all the time it was one of the most yeah. I'll, I'll never forget i was probably 
seven years old and it That's was crazy. maybe eight and I, I it, dude it was just it was the coolest thing i'd ever seen it's one of those things that like i just i loved michael jordan as a kid i know what he did to the phoenix suns in 93 but growing up man it was like it was all about jordan for me man he was, oh, he yeah. was yeah you you want to hear yeah. one of the one, one of the funny stories because yeah. we got a little bit of time at the back end so i remember i was in like first grade and it was the last day of first grade and uh i grew up in los angeles um and there was my, my teacher had like a as a box of just like goodies right and at the end of school she's she put all these goodies out there and she kind of had a drawing and she said hey uh, if, when i pull your name you can come up here and you can pick any one of these goodies right and a girl sitting next to me is like hey if you get picked first uh can you get me that doll and then i'll get what you want and and what i want they had a michael jordan calendar right uh so they called my name and I went up and I got this doll for this girl and I gave it to her and she laughed at me. She's like, I didn't want that. Ha ha. Now you have a doll. And Ooh. I cried and I got my Jordan poster <laughs> or my Jordan oh, calendar. No. But I remember how it feeling at such a young age being betrayed by, by that woman or that little girl. <laughs> Did you track her down lately? Or no. no. Oh, wait, no. you're weird, right? So that'd be kind of yeah. weird. No, that'd be absolutely weird. But it was funny. Then like two years later, she had older brothers. And she told her older brothers that I liked her. And one of them tried to beat me up after class. I was nice. like, what are you talking about? Like that girl got me stuck with a doll at the end of first grade. Like, so yeah, little kid, baby mama drama, dude. you know, let you, me man. tell you a story. So Once show upon and a tell, time. show and tell second grade. And I didn't have nothing to show. I just had something to tell. I, I went up there <laughs> and I told everyone that our house burnt down last night and we lost everything. <laughs> Did you lie? yes absolutely Clearly. i lied so um, i'm sorry if that's ever happened to anybody that's probably the worst thing ever um but i i made that up i used to make up stories all the time and i think it was just because i wanted someone to feel sorry for me but i mean i got in big trouble dude so well i can i can one-up you on that unfortunately scott lacy real quick he's like when jordan when that jordan layup happened live it was amazing a spectacular move from michael jordan yeah marv albert on that call was fantastic mm -hmm. so you if you want to talk about lying okay born raised catholic right mm -hmm. i lied at my first confession so my first What'd confession I, my first confession <laughs> You know, you sit there, you bless me, Father, for I have sinned and all this stuff. And they make a big deal about it. Like, it's like this mass or something. And then mm -hmm. everybody, like, all, all you, all the second graders go to the confessionals, you know? Like, mm -hmm. so I told the priest that, like, I kicked the ball and it went into my neighbor's chimney. And when the guy, when the, my neighbor came out and asked me if I did it, I lied to him. That's what I said at my first confession. So you lied about the whole thing, though, like even so, the into entire the thing, the entire thing. I lied at my first confession. Oh, my God. And I don't know if I ever went that's, back. And that's that. not even a good lie either. When you... It was a horrible lie. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was a second grader line. I was nervous. I didn't know what to say. You know, I was just like, yeah. uh, you know, like I grew up in a house where I didn't say God damn it or anything like that. I'm like, oh, so yeah. I haven't broken that commandment. So I'm sorry, Jamsters. We just totally oh, okay. as uh, how, how oh, old you, Matthew. I think it was uh, second grade, first or second. So you were like grade. seven. So it's like one of my earliest memories. And like, uh, for confession, I don't. I used to. What would you even say? Just I swear sometimes. Yeah, that's about it. you know, it's so, like it's not like I cover my neighbor's my neighbor's wife or anything. I was like seven. No, that Fabio, wasn't Fabio was in the chat. <laughs> Fabio in the chat. <laughs> Childhood traumas. Sorry, Jamsters. Thanks for. Uh, for hey, uh, that could be a, that could be a segment. You know, like how Childhood traumas. Are, well, yeah, parent I corner. Mean, 
parent corner we can do the childhood childhood trauma i'm sure we got plenty right oh yeah if we can remember them dude i have so much childhood trauma that i i should be so jacked up seriously well, i mean my dad flow my dad flew pigeons competitively yes. no no we have to do this yeah okay. says we got to do the childhood traumas if we got minutes left at the end of the podcast just okay. one story i'll make gone, a, all right if, if you guys want it in the chat i'll put a drop together and we could do childhood trauma at the end of some of these things so because you got plenty of stories i've heard oh plenty of them you've heard some pretty of my good. stories they're my good, stories yeah. are unbelievable unrivaled <laughs> unrivaled okay real quick uh back into the podcast preview the next game for the phoenix suns uh we did pick this one correctly and now we play the Mavericks again on Friday. Yeah. Um, Luca's kind of out there in the air. They don't know necessarily if he's going to be uh, uh, playing or not. Um, is there anything that we really need to talk about when it comes to the Mavericks next game? Is there anything you're looking for? Uh, do we need to swipe Frank Needle Aquinas knees out from him because he just hit so <laughs> many threes? Like, where the fuck did that come from tonight? No, I didn't even know he was on the Mavs, but um, what you're going to see next game, I'm pretty sure to predict it. It was just going to be kind of more of a blow. If if Luca's not there, this is a game where they actually go out and handle that. That way they can go out early, get those reservations set for um, right after the game, and they don't have to worry about an overtime or anything crazy like that. So, yeah, just go in there and, you know, do what she should have done tonight, but now you know this team without Luca, and you can you can handle it. Those shots are going to go in early in the game. Do you want Luca to play? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. love playing Luca. I love Mikhail and Luca. M- Mikhail on Br- uh, Brunson—that's just so boring. I want Mikhail. But what's on, fun uh, about that is Luka. they're college teammates. You know, like that's mm-hmm. what adds a little bit of flavor to it. But you're absolutely right. Like you want Luka Doncic. I don't care what the national pundits have to say. I truly don't. I think I'm so goddamn busy these days. I don't listen to the national pundits. You know, I'll tune into the Zach Lowe podcast. I obviously listen to Bill Simmons pretty religiously. Uh, but he actually is like a Suns fan right now. And I can't wait till Rosillo starts coming back for the pod because I want to hear more of what he says because I don't listen to the Rosillo pod because, again, I'm just too busy. Uh, but that being said, like – That's the best pod. It, yeah. Do you listen to that one religiously? I, I love it. I love the um, life advice at the end is always great. Oh, my God. Nephew Kyle and him. They, they, really? It's the best. Yeah, it's okay. a really good segment. You got to finish it all off. I usually yeah. go to the life advice and I listen to the rest of it after. <laughs> I do like Rosillo. I do like Rosillo. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll check that out. Uh, but he doesn't have the childhood trauma segment that we'll have mm-hmm. one of these days um but that being said um i i definitely want to just have a win over luca under our belt i want to go for 11 in a row i mean this team is what 11 and 3 now dude yeah 11 3 the last time we were 11 and 3 to start a season 2009 they won their 11th game on november 22nd 2009 shout out to ashley that's her birthday so it's definitely a, a great start to the season. The Suns are just are just chugging along, just beating teams, and I hope that that continues on Friday. Uh, I believe. Are you doing that one? Because I will be in the air the majority of the game. I might be able to join you from. Yeah. <clears throat> no, no. So I think uh, Suns Geek is uh, he's a good. I think he's good to go. He said he just will let me know if anything changes. But yeah, we'll have a show for sure. Copy. Well, reach somebody out to, reach out to so says Jay if. Uh, See what he's doing on a Friday night. He's probably listening to Red, Taylor's version. Oh, yeah. It's the only thing he tweets about, right? Yeah, he loves Taylor, man. That 10-minute song. Poor Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Jesus Christ, that poor guy. So uh, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here, Matthew? Is there anything in your notes that we did not touch? No, we got everything. Ass? I just uh, – well, we're not lucky enough to touch that. But um, 
I think we covered everything, John. And childhood traumas looks like it's going to be a segment that might stick. And I'm yeah, excited for that. Yeah, we, we all do have some lie, jamsters so. who yeah. are they're laughing it, and uh, really quick. You jamsters, you can come on the pod. Like, remember last year we had a couple come on live on the pod, yeah. five minutes, give your take on the game, just to make sure that's still an option. You guys can come on here, um, and you know, just give your give your yeah. thoughts on the game. No, we definitely we have a jamsters react segment that we haven't brought out some in a while. But again, if you're interested in coming on the pod, hit us up on Twitter at Suns Jam. You could just hit, slide into the DMs and be like, "Hey, I'm interested in coming." We'll send you a link to the pod. You can be on your cell phone. You just click the link. You join. You give us, you know, kind of a, a three to five minute observation. Uh, we'd love to have the jamsters on here. I think that's again the best part about doing this is being part of a community of people who are crazy enough to watch this team and love them as much as we do, uh, regardless of where you're at, whether you're at home or you're at in a loft by the reno mm. international airport uh you know we love this team so um that being said it is time to wrap everything up we want to thank you for hanging out with us hit that thumbs up button below helps the algorithms and such uh subscribe rate review all that fun stuff follow the show at sun's jam follow me at darth voida follow matthew matthew lizzie and we will see you friday 10 in a row baby 10 in a row and love your family go home and lie to your priest on your first confession 